Hey folks, Brian here. I'm not on the show this week. I was on vacation when Vince and Zach and Walt recorded, but I have a couple things to say before the show started. First of all, the character from Pennyworth is, uh, sure, it might be a Chainsaw Man character, but obviously it's a Voldarian like Guy Gardner warrior. He's making his arm into guns. Come on, guys. You're better than that. You should know that. But more importantly, we are doing a giveaway this week. We have a couple of copies of the Dark Knight's Death Metal vinyl to give away, as well as a couple of copies of the hardcover Dark Knight's Death Metal uh, collection by Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo. So the way we want to do this, because it's a it's a vinyl record giveaway, it would be a fun. I thought it'd be a fun thing to have you all tweet at the show at DC3Cast with your favorite song that mentions a superhero in it. This could be something as uh, literal as like uh, you know Bat Dance by Prince. It could be something that just kind of you know casually mentions a superhero, like um, the continuing story of Bungalow Bill by the Beatles. It could be uh, something very weird. And if, if there's a song that says like Super and Man together, but doesn't mean Superman, I'll count it. Just any sort of song that um, mentions a superhero uh, of any kind. Let's make it. Let's make it a DC superhero just to stay on brand here. So any DC superhero named in a song, tweet at DC3Cast, and we'll randomly select a couple of winners to give this stuff away to. Uh, this contest will be open until, let's call it uh, August 22nd, and then we'll randomly draw winners. Um, yeah, so feel free to enter uh, multiple times. We'll be drawing a couple of winners, so multiple entries are fine. And uh, enjoy the show, and really, boys, Voldarians, come on. Cast. I am Zach, the person who always does the intros to the podcast every time. And uh, as always, I'm joined by uh, my dear friend Vincent and everyone's favorite DC3Cast member, Walter. <laughs> That's right. I am always here. <laughs> Everything is the same as it's always been. Reality has not been rebooted. Um, And we're going to talk about the DC comic books releasing on August 10th. And starting off, we are going to talk about Batman 89, uh, written by Sam Hamm and illustrated by Joe Quinones. Quinones? Quinones. Um, Walter, you're our guest. Take it away. Absolutely. I mean, I think this is... This is something that a lot of people, I think, have been looking forward to, and probably uh, no one more than Joe Quinones. Uh, <laughs> like, didn't this originally start as just like, you know, kind of him pitching like on Twitter, like, you know, oh, I'd love to do something like this. I and, think like, so. Yeah. Locking up and then they were just like, hey, you should actually do it. <laughs> um, and so for those who don't know, the uh, writer of it is... Uh, Sam Hamm, he was actually the co-writer for uh, the 89 Batman and um, Batman Returns. So, I mean, 
I imagine if you're Quinones, this is like probably the best thing that could happen. Um, and I, I, I love the Burton Batman stuff, uh, both 89 and Returns. I think they're great fun. Um, and so I, I was definitely looking forward to this. And I think for the most part, it was what I expected and what I wanted from it. Not, it didn't blow me away by any means, but it was fun. You know, it felt very authentic. Like it felt in the same space as uh, the Burton movies. Um, and for the most part, it looked great. There is one kind of thing that I want to kind of pick on in a bit, but I mean, Quinones is of course fantastic. Um, and he does a great job of like, you know, capturing like the likenesses of uh, Billy D. And I think uh, his Keaton, his Keaton's recognizable a little bit. Like I feel like he gives him like a weirdly tall head, but we don't see much. <laughs> we don't see much of uh, him, and I think he's still recognizable. The one thing that I, that kind kind of did like visually just bother me is that it, it's one of the the timeless problems of Batman is that. On the one hand, in the live action stuff, putting the little like lenses over the eyes looks weird. In comics, I think we generally have the idea that, well, showing his eyes is weird. But I think that the fidelity to the costume, except for like adding those kind of like little eye uh, lenses, I don't know, something about the, whenever you see his face in the costume just looks a bit odd to me and it kind of breaks the it kind of breaks the feeling that it's going for because like yeah it's an effect that only really works in the comics for the most part but it wasn't in the and and in theory it works in the comics but in this case you know when it's supposed to be like kind of an homage to the movie it feels odd and i think maybe something about the way that like the cow from the movie is put together even in a comics format, adding those kind of like white lenses looks off. Um, it was weirdly distracting to me. And maybe I'm overblowing it. Um, I don't know if you guys had the same impression on that part. You know, oddly enough, like I, I would not have said that had you not brought it up. But but now that you said that, that did kind of, like subconsciously that did kind of bother me or weird me out like you're right it's not for 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 as much as um this is capturing like the the look of the actors that that does miss out on capturing the look of the costume in some small way and it is it's a it's a tiny point you know right like you said Kinonis is a, a fantastic cartoonist like i love his work just the way he stages action is great it's uh, the the cartooning style that sort of clean clean look is is you know preferable to me when it comes to superhero comic books so um yeah i mean 95 percent of the way he nails this um and it's just something like that that you could quibble with one other quibble i had was um again it's it's pretty minor and they don't really focus on it all that much uh, anyway, but I, I do think I do think it's a, a, a tiny bit of a missing element. The Gotham City that we see here, 
is and maybe I'm misremembering because it's been a little bit since I've seen any of the Burton Batman movies, but the Gotham is just not quite as twisted as I want from a Burton Batman. You know, I, I think you're spot on. Yeah. Yeah. So I th- I think you know I I recently rewatched them like in the span of like the past year I want to say I watched both eighty nine and Returns, and I think that. So I think this is a weird spot where, if I'm not mistaken, despite being called Batman 89, this is set after Returns, correct? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, and so I think it's like kind of weird in that it's like simultaneously from the name and I think from some of the styling, it's taking more visual cues from 89 and comparatively um, the Gotham of uh, the 89 Batman isn't quite as wild as uh, that in Returns. It's still, you know, very much like, you know, a bunch of sets, which is part of the charm. Mm-hmm. And I do agree that's like somewhat um, missing here. But I, I think I guess, like... Oh, go ahead, Zach. Well, I was going to clarify. I, th- I think like when Vince said wild, I was thinking, I was kind of thinking something else. And then and then when you made your explanation, I think you're kind of alluding to it doesn't have the wildness of like Returns and, or I'm sorry, uh, Forever and Batman and Robin, that kind of like neon glow. But I, I feel oh, like- I wasn't looking for that. I would, right. Yeah. I feel like the first two movies kind of have like this kind of very creepy gothic, like very heavy gothic vibe to it that is missing in this. This, this just kind of feels like normal gotham it feels more like animated series gotham oddly enough which is yeah which is yeah. close to burton but not quite like because because they both have like some 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 art deco elements right but um uh burton's burton's well like you said walt they they, they seem more like sets which has a charm to it and then and they're they're a little bit twisted in that burton way whereas in the animated series everything is very much straight lines even even if it's evoking the same sort of gothic neo gothic sort of element, right? It's just more straight laced, which I feel like is what we got here. All of this is a lot of like um, criticism for something I actually ended up enjoying quite a bit. Um, but you know, I think it, I think it was stuff that that needed to be said. It was something that that bugged me while reading this. Yeah. Other otherwise, I thought it was you know. Uh, fun it was you know what i pretty much you know what i wanted from it no real surprises here i feel in that regard um yeah how about you zach any particular thoughts about it not nothing you know much more than what you guys said um it was like really fun to read all of harvey dent's lines with billy d williams like i think those those landed like perfectly i I could hear him say every one of those lines yeah truly truly one of the great missed opportunities of uh of continuing yeah. with him mm. and having him as two face would have would have been very good which i presume we might get from this i, I wouldn't be surprised yeah one of the variant covers like showed Is, okay two okay. of the variant covers show okay. so i i hadn't seen that but yeah would, would make sense um uh, not so subtle foreshadowing yeah um wait what <laughs> I, I did... oh go ahead walt 
Also, speaking of the variant covers, it's the uh, the Jerry Ordway one. I note he draws the eyes. He doesn't draw the lenses. Oh yeah, oh, and that yeah. that looks just like the costume. Except he does, unless it's supposed to, unless he does like a blue. Ex- sorry, except he does a blue cape and cowl. Sure. So everything's just the slightest bit off. But <sighs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Nipping. Yeah. One of the greats. Well, and it's not even, I, I did want to mention, it's not even like they haven't done just the eyes in comics recently because that was like one of the defining things of the Earth One Batman costume, you know? Nobody read like, that, so. Nobody read it, but it, it there's precedent. It, it has happened and it doesn't, I, I feel like it would have been a, kind of like you alluded to, Walt, like a, a clear visual distinction between this and and other Batman comics, which I did think it was kind of interesting-ish how similar the like status quo that is established here is kind of in line with the current Bat books, with Batman being on the outs again with the Gotham PD and the and the government. It it's probably just weird, you know, coincidental coincidental circumstance, but it I, I thought that was kind of funny. Mm-hmm. yeah that's a common batman trope it is where, like yeah. you're just bound to run into it often yeah um but I'm i thought we're getting this like this and the superman comic i'm on i'm more excited for the superman one but this one is is very promising i thought it was interesting that Barbara Gordon in this is apparently Winona Ryder, I think, is who that was supposed to be. Oh, really? With, oh, that was my yeah, I can guess. See, I can see it now. I, yeah. I didn't I didn't really like think that when I was see, looking at it. Which um, would not be uh, contemporaneous uh, <laughs> if you were to line up like the actors and their ages to this. That's the magic of comics, baby. Yep, <laughs> yep there you go. <laughs> well said she is she is a burton uh and there is there is a uh, lydia there's somebody wearing a lydia from beetlejuice I mean, costume in there she, she would have been she would have been 18 so <laughs> oh <boy. laughs> okay zach you, you carry a card around in your wallet zach with all the uh ages of consent on it are you one of those guys oh. how are things in the south by the way Oh, terrible. The worst. <laughs> Gets worse every day. By the way, um, Sam Ham also wrote Monkey Bone. Oh, 2001 yes. Brendan Fraser. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The 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 Brendan Fraser sans is real. That's right. He's back. He's good again. Uh, George, George of the Jungle Howl. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anything else about Batman 89? Um, one last little bit that I wanted to talk about before we move on. Um, the, I like the fact that the, they're bringing in Burnside into this. Mm-hmm. And I oh, love yeah. I love the, the, the cute is probably the wrong word because it's a horrible uh, scourge on society that like in the present day uh, DC Comics, Burnside is very much your gentrified like hipster neighborhood. And in this, it's more like the the sort of the the neighborhood of the downtrodden, right? Um, and I think that that's a really uh, interesting and clever detail 
uh, that they're doing with that, considering this is supposed to be set, you know, theoretically decades earlier. Yeah. Yeah, that is a good that is a good point. Um, I wonder what other kind of modern continuity things might show up in this run or in this story. I'm wondering if that's Duke Thomas. Am I am I like way off on that? No, or? I think that's like a reasonable guess. Yeah. I don't know. That would it would be interesting. Open to see punchline. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> Just kidding. No, he's not. Who would? No, I'm not. Who would? Who? What late '80s or early '90s actress would be playing Punchline? In... Oh, I mean, Winona Ryder would have been a great one. <laughs> yep, sure. Yeah, but she's taken. Um, yeah, that that's the twist in this interpretation. Oh, Barbara is Punchline. punchline. Oh. oh dang! I like it. I like it. That's All right, I've, I think that's a good place to. Okay. And on that one. Okay. Uh, well, next up, we've got Batman Urban <coughs> Legends number six, um, written and illustrated by a, a whole lot of people. But uh, we'll we'll lead off with the the end of the uh, Jason Todd Redhead story, uh, written by Chip Zdarsky, illustrated by Eddie Barrows and uh, Scott Eaton. This time, not. No. Okay, Scott Eaton. Scott. Yeah. Okay, He's I guess in there. Eaton, he is in there. Marcus Toe still does the flashback. That that's what threw me off. Okay. Um I actually didn't even notice any difference in the pages, which is also throwing me off. I didn't catch the Eaton pages. Um but yeah, I didn't read any other parts of the story except for the first issue, which I famously really enjoyed uh when it came out and um i i liked this ending too um but vince you you talk about it since you've actually read everything yeah well you know i i was a little bit down on it not i didn't think it was bad or anything but it just it just felt like well-worn material that um that i was struggling to see kind of why this story was why this story needed to be written. That was my problem with it because I feel like we've had a lot of red hood recently. It's retreading territory that, you know, God help us. The three jokers um, already kind of went over extremely recently. Um, and so I was just struggling with, you know, okay, okay. What am I supposed to get out of this that I didn't just get out of this a few months ago, you know? Um, and, I think it wraps up really nicely. I think the thing that you're supposed to get out of it is a, a closure that maybe the three jokers didn't give you or didn't even, wasn't even trying to attempt. Um, it, it places this in continuity very much, which, you know, your mileage may vary as to whether that's important to you or not. Um, you know, me more recently, I've been caring more about the meta narrative than about, you know, the individual stories necessarily. So, so, so what, what I'm into right now is this idea that the stuff between Bruce and Jason um, as shown here, maybe carries some weight going forward. And I think that that's, I love to see that kind of growth and Zadarsky does a better job than most writers of convincing you that maybe it is 
obviously nothing in comics is here to stay, right? But Zdarsky gives you the impression that maybe this is a, a page turn, you know? And I like that. And I think he I think he sticks the landing in that way. I think there's a lot of imagery. You know, the artists do a good job with this too, even though there, there's a variety of styles that we see here um, of kind of nailing these big moments at the end where Bruce gives Jason his new costume if he wants it, you know, where Jason gives the kid the little blue hood. Um, all these nice little moments at the end that kind of come together and make this a really sweet story. I think, you know, six issues was a little much for me. But I think Zach, honestly, like if you only read the first one and then you skip to the sixth one, you probably got all you needed to get out of it, really. I really think I did, honestly, because you it closes up all of the threads from that first issue in a really satisfying way, especially like with the mom and the kid. Um, you You really get you know the relationship between bruce and jason you really get it all i'm sure that there might be some interesting stuff in the middle and eventually i probably will go back and read it all um but yeah i i kind of agree with you i think it was a satisfying conclusion um i think it does probably more for jason todd in terms of like development and growth than like any single jason todd story in the past decade and a half you know Mm -hmm. um as far as like setting him up for something different um and i mean i feel like that's like a kind of like a thin line to tread because jason you don't want him to be too similar to dick like if he doesn't have the tension with batman what is separating him from just being dick grayson right you know um but I, I I like that I don't want him to be this like brooding angry gun-toting character forever you know I don't want him to be the Scott Labdell Red Hood forever um so I I like this a lot um I I really like the Eddie Barrows art I really like the Marcus Toe art um I, I think that this was just really good. And, and Chip Zdarsky is a writer who I know is generally like really well regarded. I've never really read anything by him that has, you know, really stuck with me or blown me away. Um, but this, um, I mean, I know, I know people really like sex criminals and his, his daredevil stuff. I just haven't really read those uh, either, but this was really good. I liked it. Yeah. Um, well, you, you didn't read this, so, um, we won't force you to pretend that you did. Um, <laughs> even um, though we know you could, you would, even though be, you, you absolutely could, you, you, would have be up to the Todd? you have any Jason Todd thoughts? Um, not in particular, other than, you know, I listened to your previous episode and I do think that, well, I, I, I like the idea that, uh, that you're saying Vince about the idea that this could perhaps continue and like, you know, this idea of like, you know, developing Jason a little bit more. Um, the fact that he's uh, going to be put on suicide squad. Well, I think that is in general, I think that's a good idea. Like it's just like, I guess this different uh, angle with like a bunch of formerly dead 
Gothamites or whatever. I don't see that this specific kind of development of him uh, being explored there, if that God. makes sense. I already mm-hmm. forgot that that was happening. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hate that that's kind of the next thing we're going to see him in. <laughs> but, um, oh, well, we'll see. <laughs> um Next up, we have a zealot story, uh, Blood for Blood, written by Matthew Rosenberg, who is quickly becoming the go-to Wildstorm guy, it seems, Um, illustrated by Chris Sprouse. I don't have a ton to say about this other than um, more I will take all the Wildstorm content that DC wants to throw at me. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a big Wildstorm mark, so that's all. I actually did read this one um, and I, I just think it's interesting that the, it's not just that like, you know, uh, Rosenberg's becoming the Wildstorm guy, but in particular, like it's almost like they're using this Batman Urban Legends book as a way of getting uh, Wildstorm characters like in the door. Yeah, somebody must have some yeah. pull at DC. So like... It's because otherwise, what on earth does that have? To, like, I'm not complaining really, but what on earth does that story have to do with uh, Batman? Um, well, it's it's tenuously yeah. connected to the um, Grifter thing, and Grifter was working ever so tenuously again for uh, Lucius Fox. So, yeah, I guess th- that it, is it just, the threadbare connection. <laughs> it feels it. it it's fine. It, it, there's nothing wrong with it. Uh, it. It's a very perfectly chronolent comic. Um, but it's also just like, yeah, it feels weird in here. It does. It, and it doesn't even, you know, take place in Gotham. Even. Right. At, at the very end, Zealot says, I'm coming back to Gotham. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's the contractually obligated Gotham reference. Uh-huh um but yeah i'm kind of i'm like very here for some wildcat stuff do you think we're gonna get a um a new wildcats number one written by rosenberg with jim lee art for 1.5 issues <laughs> I, I wouldn't be surprised i mean well where were the Wildstorm characters uh before this well <laughs> how did that go yeah. um, <laughs> <ugh>. <laughs> so i'm I'm sure they're looking for a new way to um, to get them into the broader DC stuff after that kind of collapsed. Um, and so, yeah, I definitely think this is the first few salvos of that and that I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Rosenberg's going to be writing like a whole Wildcats or something like that. Um, We'll see if uh, Lee even gets uh, one and a half issues, <laughs> if he does it. But yeah. I mean, he's got to do it. It's Lee. It's his stuff. He's got to do it. Yeah. Or at least be on covers. Yeah. Um, yeah. That would actually be pretty cool. He'll um, do it. He'll do a Wildcats homage of the famous New 52 Justice League cover that has that, been. <laughs> that famous cover we all know and love. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Um, well, next up, um, we have a Tim Drake story, chapter three of three, uh, written by Megan Fix Martin, illustrated by 
Belen Ortega. And um, I actually didn't read this because I hadn't read either of the other two chapters. But Vince, I think you have a big announcement to make. About <laughs> yeah, I just want to point out that the reason that Brian's not here this week is because he's in hiding, not having to face uh, being wrong. And um, I could I have this whole thing prepared. I could I could dance all over him. But uh, but I, I, all I'm all I'm going to say is I'm very happy for Tim. Uh, I'm, we won't talk about Brian. Let's just talk about Tim Drake. The glow up is real. I'm happy for him. He's figuring it out. Um, this was a really nicely written issue, I think, you know, um, and I think when you have a well, so Tim does not officially come out in this issue, but he's they there's a lot of talk about how he's figuring it out, right? Right. Um, and uh, I can't remember the name of his buddy now, and I don't have it in my notes. Um, but you know, they explicitly call it a date a couple times, and and Tim is into figuring it out and exploring it, and I think all that stuff is really delicately written. Uh, by Fitzmartin. Um, I think it's very easy to mess that stuff up. And I think the last, uh, you know, couple decades of comics are, are littered with really inelegant uh, versions of that thing. And I think, I think it's done really well here. Um, and I, and I'm excited to see like where, where it goes from here, because, you know, the, the next time we see Tim and who knows when that will be, I'm assuming that's going to, they're going to, pick up where this left off. So um, it's, it's glad that or I'm glad that they're finally saying what a lot of fans have kind of been hoping for and, and, and wanting to see. And frankly, like, as I've discussed on the show, it is a way to set Tim apart uh, from some of the other Robins and, and, <clears throat> and give him something outside of the, the cowl to explore a little bit because he's been lost as a character for the last decade or more um so yeah I, I i think this was really nicely done um, yeah yeah it, it is interesting like you said the next time tim shows up because he's not really prominently featured in anything right now i don't think does he does he in a book i, I don't think so i don't yeah, think so no i don't think he is and, and i'm not exactly sure where he would even show up right. um there's not like a clean unless you know he were to be given a focus in something maybe like tech which could be cool yeah um, that would actually be really cool and a good use for him i think um but that doesn't necessarily se seem to be like the the direction for where that book is going right now so um no he'll be there there was another issue this week I can't remember it may have been tech or whatever but anytime there's like a bat family photo op or something he'll be there he, he mm -hmm. just won't necessarily have anything to do yeah um, which is funny because he did have such a big presence in in rebirth and kind of post that with being kind of the face of tech or a big part of tech and then he was in young justice um mm -hmm. so um yeah maybe he'll he'll slot in somewhere again soon it's kind of weird that he's not in titans academy that's uh that's a good point though i guess titans academy you do have the different classes angle but i mean really it is mainly the, the focus is mainly on 
the classic Wolf and Prez in the new class, but I guess he hasn't even yeah. appeared, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. Yeah, I don't think he has. Um, but we'll see. Um, any anything else on Tim? No. Okay. Um, and then the last story we have in here is a pretty interesting one. Uh, Black Canary in Solo, written by Joshua Joshua Williamson, illustrated by Trevor Hersine. And this is a prelude to the Deathstroke Inc. comic book that Williamson and Howard Porter will be doing pretty soon. I can't remember exactly when that launches, but it's, it's soon. And um, this feels pretty essential information for that book i think Um, and and for maybe the dcu as a whole if you think about it um there is a a phrase at the on the last page of this chapter that is written in a special (laughs) font and i guarantee we are going to have an event book and or at least a mini series by that title yeah Uh, i'm I'm putting down money on that this is the trinity war uh free comic book day (laughs) issue absolutely absolutely um um, there's one thing i want to say about this um and it's that again this kind of this this story and what it sets up again kind of highlights this weird contrast between the stuff that williamson is doing and the kind of greater dcu meta narrative with what bendis is doing in his own little corner (laughs) yep uh-huh. Yeah, wasn't this supposed to basically be Bendis's, uh like that's it's kind of the plot of um can't even remember the name of his Godforsaken <laughs> event. Event, event Leviathan. Leviathan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um yeah, so we're kind of talking around the story. This this issue um gets Dinah um, in with this organization called Trust, which is an acronym. I'm not going to look up what the acronym stands for. It's dumb. Um, but they're they're a secret shadow organization, um, and and uh, Oracle is kind of tasking uh, Black Canary with infiltrating it. And we find out that she's going to be working with Deathstroke, and um, Talia Al Ghul is kind of working in uh, opposition to the trust group we find out and that there's going to be a shadow war obviously with talia you know the connection there with williamson of course is we've got the uh robin book so Mm. right that and 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 her being on the totality as well which william oh that's right that's a that's kind of an everybody thing but williamson is kind of spearheading yeah right now um so yeah so I, I wouldn't be terribly surprised if there was a like death stroking if, if shadow war itself or something else was a like a crossover between that and robin oh, oh yeah oh yeah absolutely i could the, oh that makes it even more like maybe a mm-hmm. trinity war or something i could see it being like a three book crossover everything that williamson is touching Yes, I could definitely see that. Yeah, even like a crossover between those books or those books could could tie into an overarching Shadow War event. Yeah, yeah. That, that's definitely happening and I'm I'm here for it. That's I'm here cool. for it. And the the we- the weirder thing to think about is that we we know thanks to uh, Dirty Uncle Rich that there is a crisis coming. Like 
to be announced before the end of the year, right? So we've been told. And I'm just wondering if that has anything to do with this or if that's a completely separate idea that they're not even really tipping their hand to yet. The shadow war crisis. The shadow war crisis. Yeah, I don't know because, you know, Bendis has said that he is work. He has a crisis. He he said that for like the last three years now. Yeah, but does does um, does does DC, does DC yeah. let him have a crisis or does he just have yeah. one? <laughs> right, right. Um, Don't we all have I, a crisis, I have a crisis. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Great minds. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we got some kind of last big Benda story and then he he's kind of done and then and Bendis is going yeah <laughs> they do it they take out an ad and everything <laughs> Superman's facing away I oh I, I want to I've talked to the lads about this uh well but I want to see what you think um the one thing I said about Bendis is that like if his time at DC is actually coming to an end, which there have been rumors, does he get out of here without doing a Batman run other than that Walmart story? I just can't see it. Uh, you would think not, but I mean, if it's, if it's, if it is coming to an end, then I don't think he's going to like start something like that. Yeah. So I, th- I think, yeah, I think just, Poor timing for him, just uh, with all the change of uh, who's running things and everything. You know, yeah. that yeah. just I, might uh, be how it goes. I sure. I could see him still maybe doing like a black label something. Um, Possibly, yeah. That seems that sounds like the most likely outcome. Yeah, like if, him, if he does anything. Yeah, like maybe him and Gato doing something. That oh, yeah. that seems like a yeah a lock but and that could be done whenever i you know i could see him still maybe doing some things just freelancing Mm -hmm. um since he's out of contract but um yeah i guess anything else on the urban legends books no okay um well next up we have uh the new uh hardware season one number one uh, part of the new milestone reboot written by Brandon Thomas, illustrated by Dennis Cohen and uh, with inks by Bill Sienkiewicz. And uh, this book looks really good. Oh, it looks so good. I, I think it's probably the best looking by a fair margin of all of the milestone books so far. Mm-hmm. So I, I, this is actually the first of the new milestone ones I'd read. Um, I'd, I'd listened to you know your previous episodes, and from what you guys have said about the other ones, I think this one also seems to avoid the problem that you guys have had with the other ones, where they've been like good but very formulaic, like superhero origin stuff. Like yes, this this is there is certainly like elements of that in here, but the framing and the way that uh, the um, the past, the present, and like then the action that's happening are like kind of all interspersed. I uh, keep things like kind of narratively interesting, even if like you know the 
the core idea behind it isn't um, super new and unique or unfamiliar. It, it keeps it like, you know, an interesting read, I would say. I think that's really well said. I think, yeah, that's, you said it better than I could have um, to be sure, but th- those are my exact feelings about it. Like this, this comic gets down to brass tacks, really. Like, like you said, there's a little bit of an origin because you have to tell new readers who, who this guy is and what he's about, but you're right. The way that it's, the way that it's framed and the way that it kind of uh, jumps back and forth a bit to give you context but but by the end of the issue, like we're there. The the central there is no uh, beating around the bush about what the central conflict is. And exactly. Yeah, I think. Yeah, that's really well said. Um, I thought it was kind of interesting. The, I I I thought that the story was doing one thing, that by the end of the issue, I I don't think it was doing, which is maybe a little bit. I think what I thought originally was maybe a little more interesting, wherein we kind of get the narration of, of hardware. Um, I forget the character's name. Is it uh, Curtis Metcalf? Curtis. Yeah. We get, we get Curtis's kind of narration of the, the events thus far from his perspective. Um, and then about how this kind of mentor has wronged him. And then we get the mentor's account and it almost kind of seems like, initially the way I read it that they were kind of both being manipulated by an outside source to be turned against each other but I think by the end of the issue it's pretty clear that the mentor is, is unsympathetic kind of, yeah is yeah. kind of shitty um and I, I kind of think that the 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 way I read it first would have been more interesting to me but I, I also think that the this confrontation at the very end and especially just the way it's framed and the way it is told visually with like the lettering and the mm-hmm. just everything, like it's just so good and satisfying. I think it's such a great first issue in that way. Um, yeah. I, I actually had that same reading initially that I thought it was like, Oh, you know, they're being played against each other or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're, you're definitely not alone on that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but then I think, I think the way I I think you're right that like narratively that's more interesting, but I think thematically this rings more true because I think like, I do think these like billionaire benefactors or whatever see themselves a certain way. And, you know, this guy wouldn't say that he's racist or wouldn't say that he's, the bad guy or whatever, but clearly because of, you know, how, whatever distance the money puts between him and the subject. Right. You know, it's uh, yeah. Like I, I yeah. think, so I think you guys are right. Yeah. Narratively, if they're being played by something, then there's more room to, for nuance or whatever. Um, certainly that, that could be more interesting, but, but, but I think this just rings so true and so, kind of current to the sort of socioeconomic concerns that we see every day um sure yeah and, i and, i agree i agree with you yeah. um yeah i th- and and what this line seems to be trying to do thematically i think you're definitely right um 
So yeah, yeah I, I, I like this a lot. Me too. I, I think it, I think it is the best one so far. Um, I think you know it it only increases my uh, estimation of of Brandon Thomas's talents, and I, I've been a fan of his. He's got the Aquaman stuff right coming up. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I think he I think he's I think he's good. He he did some stuff in Future State that I feel like I liked. Didn't didn't he do the Outsider? He did the Outsiders, which right. was good. Yeah. And he did that. Um, I'm pretty sure he did the Connor Hawk story in the Green Arrow 80th anniversary that I was pretty fond of. I, I'm pretty sure he did that one. I may be wrong, but mm-hmm. I think he, um, I, I don't remember. Yeah, he's he's done quite a bit that I like, um, and I kind of hope he is one of DC's sort of like rising new talents. Um. Definitely more hits than misses so far, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, well, let's take a quick break and then we'll be back with the rest of the books. Hello, we're the hosts of the Multiversity Manga Club podcast. I'm Emily. I'm Zach. And I'm Walter. Each month, we pick a manga to read and discuss among ourselves. Past books include Monster, A Silent Voice, and Pokemon Adventures. We also look back on the past month's installments of Weekly Shonen Jump discussing the highs and lows from the Viz Anthology. We've even discussed notable manga adaptations like Netflix's Death Note. At the end of each episode, we announce next month's book club pick so you can read along with us. We're always open to suggestions for future books as well. So join us on the first Friday of every month on multiversitycomics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. All right, we're back, and we are going to talk about uh, I Am Batman, number zero, written by John Ridley, illustrated by Travel Foreman, and uh, this is a a prelude to the upcoming I Am Batman book. It's a follow-up to Batman, Second Son, and um, uh, I don't really know what to say. I don't know what to say about this book. Um, They kind of stunk. Yeah, you want to go off on it, Walt? I mean, so I feel like this is in a weird place. Now, granted, granted, I haven't read, at least I don't think I've read all the John Ridley Batman stuff. I've read the Future State issues, but I think there's been some other stuff, hasn't there? There's been some digital first stuff. Yeah, right. that's the that's the second son. Book. That's right. Second yeah. son. That's it. Um, so I haven't read Second Son. Now, this is this is really weird and kind of dumb to really like get too much into. But there's there's the question of like, okay, if we're gonna do something like call an issue a number zero, what does that mean? And I think that like in this case, this issue again this is a really stupid thing to be hung up on but why wasn't this number one (laughs) absolutely (laughs) (laughs) like like if this was a number one issue i'd be like okay you know maybe the introduction of the character isn't perfect or whatever but that's fine not everything needs to be a complete rehash and you know but it's like okay this is a number zero if it's a zero i get to feel okay so long as we're not dealing with zero hour, you know, that means that this is going to be like pure, just here is who this character is. That's part of this. 
but it also like it, it just feels like a number one of a new mini series or something like that and i'm just i'm i'm sure it's not ridley's fault or anything like you know i don't this is just kind of like the stupidity of how superhero comics are published sometimes but like i just didn't feel like it was a good enough introduction to the character to warrant being called a number zero which sounds really stupid and pedantic but you get me no i do i do speaking of pedantic can i can i just butt into to say why i think it was called a zero sure i have no proof of this um other than just perusing the 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 books that dc sent us um i i and i could be getting the details wrong but i think 75 percent of this issue is in some free comic day comic book day material oh okay uh, that would okay. explain so it. i wonder if yeah i wonder if they package this as a way to sell it for a, a cost but then also said well some of this is already in the free comic book day so let's just call this a zero uh, that uh, that is not a good answer that's not like yeah that's not a refutation of of you saying that comic book publishing is wacky and 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 messed up well uh, i just think that that's probably the reason why that it was originally free also probably explains why travel foreman felt <laughs> in so much. Yeah, you're you're definitely right, Vince. This is part of part of this story is in the free comic book day issue, which comes out well the Saturday after this is published. Do we even um, have those? Which is anymore? kind of weird. I, yeah, that's weird. I'm used to the opposite happening. Yeah. Um because I think free comic book day this year is the um the fourteenth. And this comes out on the 10th, hmm. um, which is really weird. Um, so sorry, I interrupted you saying something, Zach, just to oh, get the pedantry in. No, no, it's okay. What was I going to say? Um, oh, well, I was going to talk about how, Walt, you specifically mentioned how a lot of Zero issues are kind of focused on catching you up on what you need to know about the character and the cast and the status quo. And I, I think that this book does a little bit of that um, with like kind of setting up who Tim is, why he's going by Jace, you know, some of his history. But I it, I still don't think it does like the best job. And I, that's been a recurring issue for me, I think, with the Tim Fox Batman is and, and I, I have I read the Future State stuff. I haven't read Second Son. So maybe there's some things that are explained there. But I, I still don't feel like I have a good feel for Tim as a character. And yeah. also, like, some of the extended cast um, picks up on events from other books that isn't really fully explained either. Like, the um, the female detective who comes and talks to Montoya um, and is talking about her partner, um, you know, being kind of sitting out and being soft for masks. I think that's, like, alluding to things from the future state story no no because that probably wouldn't have even happened yet okay now so i'm very confused actually yeah, it's 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 the whole like thing of like if we're kind of now doing a prelude to the stuff yeah. that will eventually happen in future state and mm -hmm. there's the kind of like you know a uh, little bit on the nose overlap of like the masks in that sense with like oh you know masks like we're wearing now <laughs> that was a little bit 
much i thought yeah uh, mm-hmm. but uh and also like masks and uh, were like a big uh taboo thing in future states um, right right w- which yeah this this exists in a weird nebulous state between what is going on now what could be coming and whether or not future state is uh, a like inevitable status quo right and, and that's something that other books have been towing the line on too but i feel like this one is even a little bit more nebulous in that um just because it still feels so disconnected from everything else um it's, it's just kind of um it's a little bit unmoored in in its place and kind of what what it's doing um that said like i really i really do want to like this stuff um i really like travel foreman as an artist but yeah this is some of the more or some of the you know less impressive travel foreman art i've ever seen some of that i think comes down to the coloring um but the line work is also kind of just very bare bones yeah i think part of it with the coloring is like if you if you just like kind of look at this and try and like parse okay like what would it look like without the coloring i think just foreman probably for a lot of these pages just gave them uh who's the colorist on this i forget um um it is is a comic rex locus i don't think i've i know that but anyway like on those first few pages for example there was just you can see there would have just been so much white space Mm-hmm. if you take out the colors and yeah that's asking that's essentially there's like a lot of work that you're pushing off on the colorist on <laughs> when you do that mm-hmm. uh no offense it, travel but it's, it's also an oversized issue um yeah which is kind of and it's interesting i I don't feel like we've talked a lot about the Batman Secret Files books that have been coming out, which are all oversized and almost never feel like they're really utilizing the full page space um, to tell, you know, they're, they're mostly stories that could be told in a normal size comic that gets stretched out. Mm-hmm. I, I don't felt like, I don't really feel like this issue ever felt padded per se. I, you know, I feel like it did kind of use its space well, um, but it, it is also you know if maybe foreman was just working on like a 20 page comic it could have been a little tighter artistically the wild thing is so so for some uh, unknown reason i was looking at travel foreman's animal man art the other day mm, yeah it doesn't <laughs> even do that and i know that well, i don't know and uh i know that I know that this is definitely not the same type of book as animal man. I don't think there's been an animal man since animal man at DC really, at least not in the main line, like maybe in some of the Sandman stuff or, you know, around the, around the periphery. But anyway, point being regardless, it it doesn't even, you can't even see travel foreman in this, you know? Um, And even even picking something more recent, like that uh, Orlando book he did, the, what was it like the unexpected no it was no, the, that was a different Orlando. Book. yeah it was the it was the one in the future with like the tournament yeah. kind of like legion adjacent it was like lightning something with superman's cape yeah 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 and, and oh man there's not there's not even like a 
I can't even really draw the thread between that and this even. So Right. Yep. Um, um Yeah, man. The other thing is I, I totally agree with what you're saying about about Jace Fox still kind of being a cipher of a character, which contrasts that with John Ridley's like really detailed, assured work on the um, other history of the DCU where like, I think those characters are so well-defined and he gets them and he lays them out very like plainly for you. Like there is no, but, but this like, I, yeah, I still don't know who Jace is and I've read all this stuff. (laughs) Like I think I've, there may be, an issue or two of a digital first thing that I, that I missed, but I read second son. I read, you know, and I still just don't, uh, I want, I want a better into his character. I want a better hook and I'm just not getting it. Electric warriors. That was the, nah, there you I go. think of, yeah, there you I, had go. To, yeah. I had to look it up. Yeah. I mean, I do, I am really interested in this i am batman book that's coming it seems like the one that is going to be most rooted in like current dc continuity um you have Coipel on art who feels like a really strong anchor there you know who knows how long he'll stay on the book um but um yeah this um this just wasn't maybe the best foot forward i i think for introducing this book um any other thoughts not really okay. yeah okay um so next up we have infinite frontier number four um written by joshua joshua williamson uh illustrated by paul pelletier jesus marino zermanico and i think that's it yeah yeah um i like this issue a lot better than the last one i think there's a lot a lot more to unpack here um vince you want to go first yeah i i think that's true i think here's my here's the overarching narrative of what i want to say about infinite frontier number four which is that i love everything i'm seeing on pretty much every page and i could not tell you what anyone is doing (laughs) so like so what i what i mean is like you've got this director bones is trying to like keep the prime earth separate from all the other uh earths i i really could not tell you the mechanism of how he's supposed to be accomplishing that (laughs) um i do not know what the villains of this are trying to do yet (laughs) and we're uh five issues in really because there was a zero issue of this um yeah none of that in a book like this though is really much of a problem for me (laughs) is that a cop-out no this book has cameos by telos (laughs) the convergence features in brainiac yeah um pandora dr manhattan um dr manhattan yes that is a great page by the way i think that's a zermanico page i think so yes yeah who who is still i think like 
I love Pelletier, but like Zermanico, who I think was the original artist build on this, is still the best one and, and does just some incredible work in this, I think. Um, as far as stupid superhero stuff goes, yeah. Yes. Sure, yeah. As far as stupid superhero things go. Um, do we? I, I did want to ask somebody, that character on that page, on the top right corner, um, kind of stand, he's like in between Reverse Flash and Extant. Who is, who is that character? That's the only one I didn't recognize. I'll have to pull it. Sorry, I don't have it quite up yet. Okay, um, yeah. Take your time. Um, that's the only character in that huge spread that i didn't recognize immediately um okay so w- which one again the one with the with their back turned no um so it's um they're they're kind of standing next to uh they're standing above pandora um, oh see, with like the white face uh-huh and the oh, black robe yes i've seen that i've seen that before um Talk amongst yourselves. I got to do a little search here. Okay. Walter, what, what do you think about this issue slash Infinite Frontier as a whole so far? So the thing is that I do feel like... I want to put this as... I, I feel like this is supposed to be something I like, you know? This is... on On paper, this has... A lot of stuff that I like about DC Comics, but almost in a way where it's like it feels too much. Like I can feel like, oh, this is being written by somebody who likes the same things about DC Comics that I do, writing for other people like them, if that makes sense. So you mm-hmm. feel this is fan service. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, but, I guess that is fan service in the most to, uh, traditional sense. Yeah, to, but specifically to like fans like us. Right, exactly. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe I feel like I, I should be liking this more than I am. Like I said, on theory, this has everything on paper that I would think I would like, but it it just isn't doing too much for me. Um, and I think partially part of it is, as we've said, like, you know, this is what the, we're halfway through roughly. And this still feels like kind of like the lead up to some other event. Like mm-hmm. It doesn't so, feel like, like which it for being, sure is. That, right. That's how, yeah, that's kind of, I feel that way about this book that it's not even supposed to be viewed as a like top tier event. It's more sure. like the prelude to the big event, um, which is but very then, funny. Like, seven, it, but then like seven issues feels like too long for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Does, does anyone else? Or, or is anyone else getting vibes of, well, I, I feel like tonally and executionally, this feels a lot like Infinite Crisis in some ways. Um, I, I, I see where you're getting with that. You know, because, uh, you know, so much of Infinite Crisis is like kind of dealing with the reveal of the multiverse like existing again 
Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't think that myself, but now that you pointed out that way. I think, well, I think some of it is maybe just, you know, the characters that are involved are also, a lot of them are characters who were very instrumental in Infinite Crisis. Right. Um, but also something about like the machine head reveal feels the way that it's like scripted and the way that it's presented reminds me a lot of the Superboy Prime Alexander Luther heel turn as well. Um, it's not it's not one for one at all, but there's just something about it. This this is the most like infinite crisis that DC has felt in a long time to me. Um, which is both a good and a bad thing, I think. Um, I, I, I think I agree with you, Walt, that this has all of the pieces that I, I should be hooting and hollering for. And, and on one hand, I kind of am. I mean, there's like a Joker right. who is, there's like a Sinestro core Joker in this and, and the, the 90s fate with the <laughs> on his eye. And, Lady and Quirk I, is back for some reason. Yeah, I'm, and I'm pretty sure behind Lady Quark and in, in the top corner there is the super. Is that the Super Doom from that Super Doom action yep. comics? Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, it's all the things. <laughs> um, but it does just feel like more than anything, more than even most superhero events, which are purely just this. This feels like smashing the action figures together. Oh yeah, yeah, big time. I also just as a general rule, I do not care for Thomas Wayne Batman in the fucking slightest. And so uh, anything with him is going to be a big sell for me. That's fair. That's totally fair. Um, I cannot find who this white faced uh, villain is. God, it's it's not even on the tip of my tongue, but I, I just know I've seen them. Um, yeah, they look really familiar. Um <sighs> Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Anyway, somebody, somebody tweeted us. Somebody will yeah, tell Robert us. Mayland will be in my DMs. Yeah, um, he'll, t- he'll tell you who it is. Um, I yeah, it's really weird. That's the only one I can't recognize. And we read like every important DC ever, <laughs> so you think that we would know who that is? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, I'm still I'm still really interested to see how this all wraps up. Um, I I do think that this is. I'm glad to see some more forward momentum here. Um, but I don't know. There's just something. There's just something about it that feels a little off. Yeah. Well, it's it is exactly that. It's 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 smashing the action figures together. Um, that can only take you so far, you know. I, I think the thing that I I think the thing that I, the, the reason why I'm a little more forgiving of it is because even if you go back to like the original crisis on infinite earths, that was a little bit smashing the action figures together too, but sure. it, it was the, kind of the first time that was done. It was the but first you, time the action figures had ever been smashed. Yeah. Right. But like, you know, the one, one of the, one of the major villains in that, comic were just some like shadow demons that nameless faceless yeah shadow monsters which i believe show up here appear here yeah Yeah. so you know it is what it is it's 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 silly it's fun you're right though that they're 
there should be more of a tether. There should be more of something holding this together to make it feel like a substantial. Well, you're right when you say it's the prelude to something, but it's way too long to be a prelude. Yeah. Um, all of that is, is, is definitely true. And it's not knocking my socks off. I'm enjoying it on the level of, oh, I turned the page and somebody I haven't seen in a while showed up. <laughs> you know? Whoa. Sometimes that's all you want. <laughs> yeah. um, well, you specifically mentioned the Thomas Wayne Batman. We're getting more uh, Tom King erasure in this. Um... Yes, I was thinking about that too. <laughs> you love to see it. <laughs> Just like saying, oh, I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you do, you do love to see it. It's pretty funny. Um, uh, any other extraneous infinite frontier thoughts? I just wanted to be mentioned that uh, Vince used the phrase white-faced villain, which is very <laughs> funny to me. <laughs> the villain wearing white face. Oh. He's canceled. Um, I don't know. How else would you describe that? <laughs> I don't know. Probably not like that. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> he would say reverse blackface. He look. <laughs> yeah, that's better. <laughs> it's better. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean that facetiously, obviously. Um, well, we saved the best book for last. You know it. <laughs> uh. Epics Epic, is Pennyworth. Epics is Pennyworth, number one of seven. Uh, written by Scott Brian Wilson, uh, illustrated by Juan Gideon. Oh, dear, dear Juan, why would they waste your talents thusly? <laughs> Who wants um, to start on this? Uh, well, oh, Zach, I, Zach, you're the Gideon boy. Why don't you start? I am the Gideon. Yeah, I mean, I really do like Gideon, and this art is good. I think. He, I mean, he does a fantastic job. It's it's really good. I think his art is kind of wasted on this kind of story a little yeah. bit. Um, I I very much liked him doing the big cosmic stuff or, mm-hmm. or the big weir- big weird stuff, and and this is just a, a bit more um, you know grounded, mundane in its in its topic. He does get to draw a weird um, organic gunman. Um, <laughs> A char- he gets to draw a chainsaw man character yeah i was gonna say it's, it's a manga character <laughs> yeah um which is cool but this this book honestly wouldn't have been half as bad as it is if it didn't have the unnecessary um internal dialogue narration boxes that sometimes cover the dialogue and the <laughs> little witty arrows pointing out things that are so obnoxious yeah yeah it's going for a stylistic thing that's really annoying when it does that and it makes me wonder because i've never seen a second of the show and god i hope i never do um i can't imagine a a concept i want to see less of than what alfred was doing before he was batman's butler um origins yep yep apologies to scott snyder who also seemed to care about that (laughs) Um, quite a bit but yeah all that stuff makes me think like is is any of this sort of like visual flair attempted in the show and if it is it's probably really insufferable (laughs) um 
it's it's what people it's it's what people who don't know what Quentin Tarantino really is about say when they say like this is Tarantino esque. <laughs> <laughs> That's spot on. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I, I did. I did find this annoying. Um, I, I guess one positive thing I can say about it is that uh, it's canon that Alfred is caked up. We we found that out about him. <laughs> um, That's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which means, that which means that perhaps Dick is actually his illegitimate <laughs> son. <laughs> oh my god! Vince is blowing out his mic. He's laughing so much. Sorry. Uh, Sorry. Uh, Sorry, I got a cough, and that the intersection of that. Sorry, I. Oh my god, that's really good. Brian will be cough laughing when he hears that. Um, that's really good. Um, um, another thing I didn't like about this is this starts off in a flashback, <gasps> goes to the present day, goes back to that flashback for a couple pages, only to go to another one, flashback. <laughs> that that was that was my biggest thing about this issue. I I don't know. I didn't mind the like dialogue. The the fun with the bubbles too much like it didn't bother me it's like okay they're he's doing this thing we've seen it before but i mean it was kind of fun at some points i thought um but yeah that that other time frame what the hell does that have to do with anything (laughs) yeah it just it seems to only exist to jumble things up and i'm that's probably what it is you know it's just to make things seem more more artistic but like if you just take out like on this hunt it's like what is it two pages three pages interspersed throughout the comic that when he's hunting with dick cheney yeah exactly (laughs) if you just take those out that alone makes this a much better comic i think Mm -hmm. um it just completely muddles the narrative um and just seems to have no fucking point yeah and and maybe it will eventually, but if that's the case, it should be in a different issue. It shouldn't be in this one. I don't know. Right. No, you nailed it. You you definitely. The other thing is, I I do also feel like the present day Alfred stuff is only there to remind readers that this is a Batman adjacent book. Like, to me, that exists to say, hey, you know what? Nobody, let's be honest, nobody's watching Pennyworth, but we got to put out a Pennyworth comic. We got to put the, but you don't gotta though. You don't, you don't gotta (laughs) hand it to them, but, but if they're, if they, if they're going to do this, you can imagine some editor there saying like, any way we can get the old Alfred in this. So people can say, Hey, that's, that's Alfred. I I recognize that guy. Cause otherwise this is just fake James Bond you know right um so like combining what you said Walt, with this thing about old alfred that i said it just it just makes this whole thing seem like more of a cash grab than an actual story that anyone was dying to tell yeah um and on top of that, yeah, kind of wasting Getty in a little bit. I mean, he does a fine job here, but 
you're so right, Zach. The the stuff he did on the um was it it was it was versus versus end. end. Yeah. Yeah. Uh It it made me never want to see him draw anything this plain, you know, a kind of like buttoned up James Bond adventure is not what I'm looking for from his art. Um, he, I'm he looking, would I'm do lo- really well on Infinite Frontier, honestly. Absolutely, yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm frankly surprised he didn't land there, but I guess I guess they just had to have him on Pennyworth. Yeah. Um, now, now I will very very lightly push back just on the fact that uh, like this weird uh, cyberkinetic whatever Russian creation, like I. I don't know anything about what Pennyworth is like, but I think I can make some assumptions about it that are probably mostly correct in yeah. terms of like the tone that it has, the style it has, and the kind of stuff it does. You know, I'm sure there's like a bunch of like winks and nods to like Batman and other like superhero like mythology type stuff. But I did like somewhat appreciate that, like, okay, they're getting kind of like weird and comic booky with it, with hmm. this thing. Um, I, I imagine maybe I'm wrong, but I imagine that like, you wouldn't see anything like this in the show, not just for budgetary reasons, but it just from, if I had to guess, like, this is just not the kind of thing that they do in it. So I was slightly, uh, pleasantly surprised by that, that it wasn't like fully abandoning the comic booky nature of a story about Batman's butler when he was young and nice with it. <laughs> I agree. I think that's yeah. fair. Well, yeah, for sure. All right. Well, that that's all we have for the week. Um, Vince, what books are coming out next week? I actually have, you know, just because you're hosting Zach, I, I have this ready. Uh, so I'm not okay. Uh, next week, uh, Batman, Catwoman, six, Batman, secret files, clown hunter. Number one, Walt, you want to come back for clown hunter? No, <laughs> you, uh, you might. Do you, you enjoy might, though. Clown it, Hunter, it, Paul? Isn't it Stoke? It's Stokey art, though, right? Or Stoko? I mean, oh, oh. Is, it, is it? Is he doing this too? I know he did the Clown Hunter issue last time, but I just assumed it was. Maybe it's not. Oh, I gotta click on this now. Sorry, this is gonna delay the rest of the. No, it's not. It's not. It's not. It's who is this? I I don't recognize the name. Campa. Uh, research to be done before next yeah. week, I guess. Uh, Catwoman 34, Nightwing 83, Shazam 2, Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow 3, Superman and the Authority number 2, and The Flash 773. What All about right. Scooby-Doo? Where are you? 111. I We don't talk about Scooby-Doo on this show. Yeah, Scooby-Doo, yeah. Scooby-Don't. Scooby, <laughs> Scooby, Scooby doesn't he do. doesn't do. <laughs> Oh God, I'm gonna have to watch that after this. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, um, Walt, thanks again for joining us and filling in. Um, where where can people find you on the internet if they want to find you? You can find me on Twitter at Goodbye to Assure. You can also uh, twice a month. I'm on another multiversity podcast, Multiversity Manga Club. Uh, which Zach is on every other episode. 
uh, we do we cover uh, monthly, just kind of catch up on certain titles and Shonen Jump. And then in the middle of the month, we recap One Piece, which is what we have our good friend Zach on for. And I'm your number one fan. That's right. Yeah. Next time we're on, we're talking about the uh, the Marineford arc, which is just the best. So um, Correct. Correct what we're talking about. I cannot comment yeah. on it being on the best. We're into, into the stuff that I haven't read yet, but I'm, yeah. I'm excited for it. Yeah, um, everybody should uh, who listens to this should go read 500 plus chapters of One Piece before that comes out and then listen. 550. Um, yeah, it'll be worth it. It'll be worth it. Um, Brian is on Twitter at Brian Needs a Nap. Uh, and I'm the only other one on this podcast who is on Twitter. And I'm at Wilker Fox. Still doing that bit. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> they should call it Velma. <laughs> It should go on the show, Velma. All right, good night, everybody. Oh, we're gonna flub. We're gonna flub all night. Don't worry about it. <laughs>